Unbound Theatre presents Sounds and Sweet Airs, the complete works of William Shakespeare. King Lear, Act One. I thought the king had more affected the Duke of Albany than Cornwall. It did always seem so to us, but now in the division of the kingdom, it appears not which of the dukes he values most. For equalities are so weighed that curiosity in neither can make choice of either's moiety. Is this not your son, my lord? His breeding, sir, hath been at my charge. I have so often blushed to acknowledge him that now I'm brazed to it. I cannot conceive you. Sir, this young fellow's mother could. Whereupon she grew round-wombed, and had indeed, sir, a son for her cradle ere she had a husband for her bed. But I have, sir, a son by order of law some year elder than this, who yet is no dearer in my account. Though this knave came something saucily into the world before he was sent for, yet was his mother fair. There was good sport at his making, and the horse must be acknowledged. <laughs> Do you know this noble gentleman, Edmund? No, my lord. My lord of Kent. Remember him hereafter as my honourable friend. He hath been out nine years, and away he shall again. The king is coming. Attend the lords of France and Burgundy, Gloucester. I shall, my liege. Meantime, we shall express our darker purpose. Give me the map there. Know that we have divided and free our kingdom, and tis our fast intent to shake all cares and business from our age, confirm them on younger strengths, while we and Bourbon crawl toward death. Our son of Cornwall, and you, our no less loving son of Albany, we have this hour a constant will to publish our daughter's several doubts, that future strife may be prevented now. The princes, France and Burgundy, Great rivals in our youngest daughter's love, long in our court, have made their amorous sojourn, and here are to be answered. Tell me, my daughters, since now we will divest us both of rule, interest of territory, cares of state, which of you, shall we say, doth love us most, that we our largest bounty may extend where nature doth with merit challenge? Goneril, our eldest born, speak first. Sir... I love you more than... Words can wield the matter. Dearer than eyesight, space and liberty. Beyond what can be valued, rich or rare. No less than life with grace, health, beauty, honour. As much as child e'er loved or father found. A love that makes breath poor, and speech unable. Beyond all manner of so much, I love you. Of all these bounds, even from this line to this, with shadowy forests and with champagnes rich, with plenteous rivers and wide-skirted meads, we make thee, lady, divine and Albany's issue be this perpetual. What says our second daughter? Our dearest Reagan, wife to Cornwall, speak. Sir, I am made of the selfsame metal that my sister is, and prize me at her worth. 
In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love. Only she comes too short. That I profess myself an enemy to all other joys which the most precious square of sense possesses, and find I am alone felicitate in your dear highness' love. To thee and thine hereditary ever remain this ample third of our fair kingdom, no less in space, validity, and pleasure than that conferred on Goneril. Now, our joy, although the last, not least, to whose young love the vines of France and milk of Burgundy strive to be interest. What can you say to draw a third more opulent than your sisters? Speak. Nothing, my lord. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing will come of nothing. Speak again. Unhappy that I am, I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. I love your majesty according to my bond. No more, no less. Now, how, Cordelia? Mend your speech a little, lest it may mar your fortunes. Good, my lord. You have begot me, bred me, loved me. I return those duties back as are right fit. Obey you, love you, and most honour you. Why have my sisters husbands if they say they love you all? Sure, I shall never marry like my sisters, to love my father all. Goes thy heart with this? Aye, my good lord. So young, and so untender. So young, my lord, and so true. Let it be so. Thy truth then be thy dower. Here I disclaim all my paternal care, propinquity and property of blood. And as a stranger to my heart, and me, hold thee from this forever. Good, my liege. Peace, Kent. Come not between a dragon and his wrath. I loved her most, and thought to set my rest on her kind nursery. Hence and avoid my sight. So be my grave, my peace, as here I give her father's heart from her. Call France who stirs. Call Burgundy. Cornwall and Albany, with my two daughters' dowers, digest this third. Let pride, which she calls plainness, marry her. I do invest you jointly with my power, preeminence, and all the large effects to troop with majesty. Ourself, by monthly course, with reservation of a hundred knights, by you to be sustained, shall our abode make with you by due turns. Only we still retain the name and all the additions to a king. The sway, revenue, execution of the rest, beloved sons, be yours. Royal Lear, whom I ever honoured as my king, loved as my father, as my master followed, as my great patron thought on in my prayers. The bow is bent and drawn, make from the shaft. Let it fall, rather. Let the fork invade the region of my heart. Be Kent unmannerly when Lear is mad. What will thou do, old man? Think'st thou that duty shall have dread to speak than power to flattery bows? Kent, on thy life, no more. My life I never held but as a pawn to wage against thine enemies. Out of my sight! See better, Lear. Now by Apollo! Now by Apollo, king! Thou swearest the gods in vain. I'll tell thee thou dost evil. Hear me, recreant! On thine allegiance, hear me! Since thou hast sought to make us break our vow, which we durst never yet, our potency made good, take thy reward. Five days do we allot thee for provision, to shield thee from diseases of the world, and on the sixth to turn thy hatred back upon our kingdom. If on the tenth day following thy banished trunk be found in our dominions, the moment is thy death. Away! By Jupiter, this shall not be revoked! 
Fare thee well, King. Sith, thus thou wilt appear. Freedom lives hence, and banishment is here. Here's France and Burgundy, my noble lord. My lord of Burgundy, we first address towards you, who with this king hath rivaled for our daughter. What in the least will you require in present dower with her, or cease your quest of love? Most royal majesty, I crave no more than what your highness offered, nor will you tender less. Right noble Burgundy, when she was dear to us, we did hold her so, but now her price is fallen. Sir, there she stands. If aught within that little seeming substance, or all of it, with our displeasure pieced, and nothing more may fitly like your grace, she's there, and she is yours. I know no answer. Will you, with those infirmities she owes, unfriended, new adopted to our hate, dowered with our curse, and strained with our oath, take her or leave her? Pardon me, royal sir. Election makes not up on such conditions. Then leave her, sir, for by the power that made me, I tell you all her wealth. For you, great king, I would not from your love make such a stray to match you where I hate. I yet beseech your majesty that you make known. It is no vicious blot, murder or foulness, no unchaste action or dishonoured step that hath deprived me of your grace and favour. Better vow hast not been born than not to have pleased me better. My lord of Burgundy, what say you to the lady? Will you have her? Royal Lear, give but that portion which yourself proposed, and here I take Cordelia by the hand, Duchess of Burgundy. Nothing. I have sworn I am firm. I am sorry, then. You have so lost a father that you must lose a husband. Peace be with Burgundy. Since that respects of fortune are his love, I shall not be his wife. Fairest Cordelia, thou art most rich being poor, most choice forsaken, and most loved despised. Thee and thy virtues here seize upon. Bid them farewell, Cordelia. Though unkind, thou losest here a better where to find. Thou hast her, France. Let her be thine. Though we have no such daughter, nor shall ever see that face of hers again. Therefore be gone without our grace, our love, our benison. Come, noble Burgundy. Bid farewell to your sisters. I know you what you are, and like a sister am most loath to call your faults as they are named. Love well our father. To your professed bosoms I commit him. But yet, alas, stood I within his grace, I would prefer him to a better place. Prescribe not us our duties. Let your study be to content your lord, who hath received you at fortune's arms. Time shall unfold what platted cunning hides, who cover faults, at last shame them derides. Well may you prosper. Sister, I think our father will hence tonight. That's most certain, and with you, next month with us. You see how full of changes his age is. He always loved our sister most, and with what poor judgment he hath now cast her off appears too grossly. Tis the infirmity of his age, yet he hath ever but slenderly known himself. The best and soundest of his time hath been but rash. If our father carry authority with such dispositions as he bears, this last surrender of his will but offend us. We shall further think on't. We must do something. 
and in the heat. Thou nature art my goddess, to thy law my services are bound. Why bastard? Wherefore base? When my dimensions are as well compact, my mind as generous, and my shape as true as honest madam's issue, why brand they us with base, with baseness, bastardy? Well then, legitimate Edgar, I must have your land. Well, my legitimate, if this letter speed and my invention thrive, Edmund the base shall top the legitimate. I grow. I prosper. Now, gods, stand up for bastards. Edmund, how now? What news? So please your lordship, none. Why so earnestly seek you to put up that letter? I know no news, my lord. What paper were you reading? Nothing, my lord. No? What needed, then, that terrible dispatch of it into your pocket? The quality of nothing hath not such need to hide itself. Let's see. Come, if it be nothing, I shall not need spectacles. I beseech you, sir, pardon me. It is a letter from my brother that I have not all over read, and for as much as I have perused, I find it not fit for your o'erlooking. Give me the letter, sir. I hope for my brother's justification. He wrote this but as an essay or taste of my virtue. I begin to find an idle and fond bondage in the oppression of aged tyranny. If our father would sleep till I waked him, you should half his revenue forever and live the beloved of your brother, Edgar. Conspiracy! My son, Edgar, when came this to you? Who brought it? I found it thrown in at the casement of my closet. You know the character to be your brother's? If the matter were good, my lord, I'd swear it were his. But in respect of that, I would fain think it were not. It is his. It is his hand, my lord, but I hope his heart is not in the contents. Hath he heretofore sounded you in this business? Never, my lord. But I have heard him oft maintain it to be fit that, sons at perfect age and fathers declining, the father should be as the ward to the son and the son manage his revenue. Villain! Villain! His very opinion in the letter! Go, sirrah, seek him. Where is he? I do not well know, my lord. Seek him out. Wind me into him, I pray you. Frame the business after your own wisdom. I would unstate myself to be in a due resolution. I will seek him, sir, presently. Convey the business as I shall find means and acquaint you with all. These late eclipses in the sun and moon portend no good to us. We have seen the best of our time. Find out this villain, Edmund. It shall lose thee nothing. This is the excellent foppery of the world. That, when we are sick in fortune, often the surfeit of our own behaviour, we make guilty of our disasters the sun, the moon and the stars, as if we were villains by necessity, fools by heavenly compulsion, knaves, thieves and treachers by spherical predominance, drunkards, liars and adulterers by an enforced obedience of planetary influence, and all that we are evil in by a divine thrusting on. And Pat, he comes like the catastrophe of the old comedy. How now, Brother Edmund? What serious contemplation are you in? I am thinking, brother, of a prediction I read this other day. What should follow these eclipses? Do you busy yourself about that? I promise you the effects he writes have succeed unhappily. When saw you my father last? Why, the night gone by. Spake you with him? Aye, two hours together. Parted you in good terms. Found you no displeasure in him by word or countenance? None at all. 
Bethink yourself wherein you may have offended him, and at my entreaty forbear his presence till some little time hath qualified the heat of his displeasure, which at this instance so rageth in him that with the mischief of your person it would scarcely allay. Some villain hath done me wrong. That's my fear. I pray you, retire with me to my lodging, from whence I will fitly bring you to hear my lord speak. Pray ye go. There's my key. If you do stir abroad, go armed. Armed, brother? Brother, I advise you to the best. I have told you what I have seen and heard, but faintly nothing like the image and horror of it. Pray you away. Shall I hear from you anon? I do serve you in this business. A credulous father and a brother noble, whose nature is so far from doing harms that he suspects none, on whose foolish honesty my practices ride easy. I see the business. Let me, if not by birth, have lands by wit, or with me's meat that I can fashion fit. Did my father strike my gentleman for chiding of his fool? Yes, madam. By day and night he wrongs me. Every hour he flashes into one gross crime or other that sets us all at odds. I'll not endure it. His nights grow riotous, and himself upbraids us on every trifle. When he returns from hunting, I will not speak with him. Say, I am sick. If you come slack of former services, you shall do well. The fault of it, I'll answer. He's coming, madam. I hear him. Put on what weary negligence you please, you and your fellows. I'll have it come to question. If you dislike it, let him to our sister, whose mind and mine I know in that are one not to be overruled. If, but as well I other accents borrow, that can my speech diffuse, my good intent may carry through itself to that full issue for which I raise my likeness. Now, banished Kent, if thou canst serve without a stand condemned, so it may come. Thy master, whom thou lovest, shall find thee full of labours. Let me not stay at Jot for dinner. Go get it ready. How now? What art thou? A very honest-hearted fellow, sir. What dost thou profess? What wouldst thou with us? I do profess to be no less than I misseem, to serve him truly that will put me in trust. What wouldst thou? Service. Who wouldst thou serve? You. Dost thou know me, fellow? No, sir. But you have that in your countenance which I would fain call master. What's that? Authority. What services canst thou do? I can keep on his counsel, ride, run, mar a curious tale in telling it, deliver a plain message bluntly, and the best of me is diligence. Follow me. Thou shalt serve me. If I like thee no worse after dinner, I will not part from thee yet. Dinner, ho, dinner! Where's my knave, my fool? Go you and call my fool hither. You, mistress, where's my daughter? So please you. What says the scoundrel there? Call the clot pole back. Where's my fool, ho? I think the world's asleep. How now? Where's that mongrel? She says, my lord, your daughter is not well. Why came not the slave back to me when I called her? Sir, she answered me in the roundest manner. She would not. She would not? Go and tell my daughter I would speak with her. Call hither, my fool! Oh, you. Come you hither. Who am I, wench? My lady's father. My lady's father? 
My lord's knave, your horse and dog. You slave, you cur. I am none of these, my lord. I beseech your pardon. Do you bandy looks of me, you rascal? I'll not be struck, my lord. Nor trip neither, you base football player. I thank thee, fellow, for our service me, and I'll love thee. Come, arise. Away, I'll teach you differences. Away, away! Let me hire him too. Here's my coxcomb. How now, my pretty knave? How dost thou? Sirrah, you were best take my coxcomb. Why, fool? Why, this fellow has banished two one's daughters and did the third a blessing against his will. If thou follow him, thou must needs wear my coxcomb. <laughs> How now, nuncle? Oh, would I had two coxcombs and two daughters. Why, my boy? If I gave them all my living, I'd keep my coxcombs myself. There's mine. Beg another of thy daughters. Dost thou call me fool, boy? All thy other titles thou hast given away. That thou wast born with. This is not altogether fool, my lord. Fools had ne'er less wit in a year, for wise men are grown foppish. They know not how their wits to wear, their manners are so apish. Why will you want to be so full of songs, Sarah? I have used it, Nuncle, ever since thou madest thy daughters thy mothers. And you lie, Sarah. Well, have you whipped? I marvel what kin thou and thy daughters are. They'll have me whipped for speaking true, thou'lt have me whipped for lying, and sometimes I'm whipped for holding my peace. I'd rather be any kind of thing than a fool, and yet I would not be thee, Nuncle. Thou hast paired thy wit of both sides and left nothing in the middle. Here comes one of the pairings. How now, daughter? What makes that frontlet on? Methinks you are too much of late either frown. Not only, sir, this your all-licensed fool, but other of your insolent retinue do hourly carp and quarrel breaking forth in rank and not-to-be-endured riots. Sir, I had thought, by making this well known unto you, to have found a safe address, but now grow fearful by what yourself too late have spoke and done, that you protect this course and put it on by your allowance. Are you our daughter? I would you would make use of that good wisdom whereof I know you are fraught, and put away these dispositions that of late transform you from what you rightly are. May not an ass know when the cart draws the horse? Whoop, Jug, I love thee. Doth any here know me? This is not Lear. Doth Lear walk thus, speak thus? Where are his eyes? Either his notion weakens, his discerning's a lethargy. Ha! Waking, it is not so. Who is it that could tell me who I am? <laughs> Lear's shadow. Your name, fair gentlewoman? This admiration, sir, is much of the savour of other your new pranks. I do beseech you to understand my purposes aright. As you are old and reverend, you should be wise. Here do you keep a hundred knights and squires, men so disordered, so deboshed and bold, that this our court, infected with their manners, shows like a riotous inn. Be then desired by her that else will take the thing she begs, a little to disquantity your train. Darkness and devils. Saddle my horses. Call my train together. Degenerate bastard. I'll not trouble thee. Yet have I left a daughter. You strike my people and your disordered rabble make servants of their betters. Woe that too late repents. Oh, sir, are you come? Is it your will? Speak, sir. Pray, uh, sir, be patient. Oh, most small fault. 
How ugly this fire and Cordelia show. That like an engine, wrenched my frame of nature from a fixed place. Drew from heart all love and added to the gall. Oh, Lear, Lear, Lear. Beat at this gate that let my folly in and thy dear judgment out. Go, go, my people. My lord, I am guiltless, as I am ignorant of what hath moved you. It may be so, my lord. Hear, nature, hear, dear goddess, hear. Suspend thy purpose, if thou didst intend to make this creature fruitful. Into her womb convey sterility. Dry up in her the organs of increase, and from her derogate body never spring a babe to honour her. If she must him, create her child of spleen, that it may live and be a thwartest nature torment to her. Let it stamp wrinkles in her brow of youth, with cadent tears for channels in her cheeks, turn all her mother's pains and benefits to laughter and contempt, that she may feel how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Away! Away! Now, gods that we adore, whereof comes this? Never afflict yourself to know the cause. But let his disposition have that scope that dotage gives it. What? Fifty of my followers at a clap? Within a fortnight? What's the matter, sir? I'll tell thee. Life and death. I am ashamed that thou hast power to shake my manhood thus, that these hot tears which break from me perforce should make thee worth them. Blasts and folds upon thee, the untented woundings of a father's curse pierce every sense about me. Let it be so. Yet have I left a daughter who I am sure is kind and comfortable. When she shall hear of this of thee, with her nails she'll flay thy wolvish visage. Thou shalt find that I'll resume the shape which thou dost think I have cast off forever. Thou shalt I'll warrant thee. Do you mark that, my lord? I cannot be so partial. Goneril, to the great love I bear you... Pray you content. What, Oswald, ho! You, sir, more knave than fool, after your master. Nuncle Lear, Nuncle Lear, tarry and take the fool with thee. The hundred knights? Tis politic and safe to let him keep a point a hundred knights. Yes, that on every dream, each buzz, each fancy, each complaint, dislike, he may engard his dotage with their powers and hold our lives in mercy. Oswald, I say! Well, you may fear too far. Safer than trust too far. I know his heart. What he hath uttered, I have writ my sister. If she sustain him and his hundred knights when I have showed the unfitness... Bow now, Oswald. What, have you writ that letter to my sister? Yes, madam. Take you some company and away to horse. Inform her full of my particular fear, and thereto add such reasons of your own as may compact it more. Get you gone and hasten your return. Go you before to Gloucester with these letters. Acquaint my daughter no further with anything you know that comes from her demand out of the letter. I will not sleep, my lord, till I have delivered your letter. If a man's brains were in his heels, were not in danger of kibes... Aye, boy. Then I prithee be merry. 
Thy wit shall ne'er go slipshod. <laughs> Thou canst tell why one's nose stands in the middle one's face. No. Why? <laughs> to keep one's eyes of either side's nose, that what a man cannot smell out, he may spy into. I did her wrong. Canst tell how an oyster makes a shell? No. Eh, nor I neither. But I can tell why a snail has a house. Why? Why, to put his head in, not to give it away to his daughters and leave his horns without a case. I will forget my nature. So kind a father. The reason why the seven stars are no more than seven is a pretty reason. Because they are not eight? Ah, yes, indeed. Thou wouldst make a good fool. Monster ingratitude. If thou wert my fool, Nuncle, I'd have had thee beaten for being old before thy time. How's that? Thou shouldst not have been old till thou hadst been wise. Oh, let me not be mad. Not mad. Sweet heaven, keep me in temper. I would not be mad. King Lear was written by William Shakespeare. It starred Philip Donnelly as Lear, Katie Herbert as Regan, Joe Emery as Goneril, Hannah Rogers as Cordelia, Luke Martin as Edmund, T.J. Lee as Edgar, Andrew Faber as Kent, Robert Aldington as Gloucester, David Alt as The Fool, Alistair Sanderson as Albany, Jackie Dan as Oswald, Gareth Johnson as The King of France and The Knight, and Stephen J. Davis as Burgundy. Title music was by Dream Cave, Additional music by Kevin MacLeod and Epidemic Sound, and sound recording by Gareth Johnson. It was produced and directed by Dario Knight for Unbound. <laughs> <laughs>